You're listening to From the Burgundy Chairs, a podcast for health system leaders created by Santa's Health. Hi, everyone. My name is Peter Cleary, and I'm a principal here at Santa's Health. Today, we are taking a deeper dive into the policy challenges that Canada faces on rare disease drugs, why Canada needs a concrete national strategy on access to these medications, and how best practices from across the globe can inform the government of Canada's next steps. Before we get started, I want to introduce our guest. Today, I'm joined virtually by Ruth Fernandez, General Manager of Takeda Canada. In her role leading Takeda Canada, Ruth provides strategic leadership for the company's Canadian operations. Root is a board member of the Innovative Medicines Canada and currently serves as CEO sponsor of the Drugs for Rare Disease operational team. Root also serves as board of the Rotman Healthcare and Life Sciences Advisory Board, part of Rotman School of Management at the University of Toronto. Prior to leading Takeda's Canadian operations, Root served as Takeda's group vice president and head of rare disease franchise for Europe and Canada region, where she served as Takeda's representative on the European Federation of Pharmaceutical Industries and Associations board-sponsored committee on patient access. And in this role, she championed the association's engagement in the field of orphan drugs. Root has had several executive roles over a 22-year career in the pharmaceutical industry, including business development, commercial strategy operations, and country management. And I am thrilled that Root is here to join us today. Thank you, Peter, for the you know very very kind introduction, and most and for most, thank you so much for having me to, and for the invitation. It's really a pleasure being here with you today. Well, let's. Um, level set with the audience first and introduce Takeda as a company for those that might be unfamiliar. So tell us a little bit about Takeda Canada, its involvement in Rare, why this you know conversation is important to you today, and, and a little bit about your footprint in Canada. Thanks, Peter. So maybe I will start first with, uh, you know, who is Takeda? Uh, we are a global pharmaceutical uh, company. Uh, it's the biggest pharmaceutical company in Japan. And over the years, really transformed as a global um, pharmaceutical uh, leader, uh, ranking top 10. And you asked me about Takeda Canada. So in Takeda Canada, that since 2017, um, we've made uh, already 1.4 billion US dollar investments and including a partnership that we have with Turnstone Biologics, um, which is a partnership focused on the development on viral uh, immunotherapies. Uh, and also what makes me really proud about uh, Takeda Canada, it's in regards with our inline portfolio. In fact, we have two assets in our inline portfolio that are made in Canada. Uh, so two assets uh, in our gastrointestinal franchise, one Revestive, a rare GI disease focused on the treatment of short bowel syndrome, uh, and in TVU, focused on the treatment of ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease for adults. And these two assets have their roots in Canada, and the, the research started, in fact, uh, in Canada. So that's our presence here. So let's, let's get into Rare and Canada. We have a long history of policy work or attempts at policy work on rare drugs in our country. Uh, most recently, under the former government, there was a lot of regulatory work that did not come to fruition. And I'm, I'm hoping that this isn't revisionist history on my part, but part of the challenge from how I remember it is uh, from, from the initiative not taking hold is both the rising cost of rare drugs. And I think there were recent reports in Canada about 
uh, about um, uh, the pressures on rare drugs on provincial budgets and who inevitably will foot the bill for rare drugs. And that is a constant concern and focus of provincial governments and probably a little bit why the federal government is trying to figure this file out and put some money towards it. But with that backdrop in mind, can you give us a, a, a bit of an overview from your perspective? Why is rare, you know, focusing on rare drugs for diseases important, particularly in, in the Canadian context? And why is this investment, uh, this growing cost expenditure, uh, one that not only is necessary, but, but important for, for patients? Great question, Peter. And first, you know, like taking a little bit a step back and why rare diseases are, are, are important. I think first it's important to recognize that it is estimated that there are around 7,000 of rare disease and only 5% of those disease do have a treatment. So that's, I would say, you know, uh, why um, first point of importance, why they are important. Then, um, you know, they are important because the majority of these rare disease, 80% of these disease, they are genetic diseases. 50% they are um, diagnosed in, in childhood or they appear and see childhood. And 30% of children, if they do not receive the right diagnosis and hence the right treatment, they do not leave uh, till their fifth birthday. So why they are important, you know, this is not a, a lifestyle disease. This is what sometimes I call it a bad, a bad luck disease because they are um, genetic in the majority of the cases. Also, from a diagnostics perspective, they are really, you know, a difficult disease to diagnose across different research based on different countries. It can take on average, and we know in some diseases it can even take longer, five to seven years to diagnose a patient with rare disease. Then the patient, they need to see, to visit at least or on average eight specialists to receive the right diagnosis. So typically a patient with rare disease, when they receive the diagnosis of the disease, they typically say, you know, it's the happiest day of their life because now they discovered, you know, why they had these symptoms or why they felt um, that way. So what, what does it mean for Canada or what does it mean for countries? It's really important to monitor first, you know, what is that time to diagnose and how we can accelerate that and reduce that because the earlier that we reduce, the earlier the patient can receive the treatment and hence reduce, you know, the different visits to the different physicians and reduce the waste. But also it's very important to monitor, you know, since the, the product is filed in, in Canada or in a country, how much time it takes that, that treatment to get reimbursement so that the patient do have access. So in a country like Canada, when we talk about, we say, okay, rare disease, it's small, you know, it is estimated that one in 12 Canadians are impacted by a rare disease. Disease. And you mentioned a little bit the, the, the public, you know, the public consultation work, the importance of cost. I would say I would refer, you know, first call a little bit for action. You know, Canada is the only OCD country that do not have a rare disease strategy framework. And it's important to, to recognize the, the specificities and uniqueness of a rare disease. And, and I think what is more important, you know, it's yes, you know, cost is one component, but what is more important is recognize the impact of a treatment and the value that these treatments provide over a lifetime of a patient. So that, that's how we need to, to think about looking into the rare disease is recognizing the value of innovation and recognizing the value of the impact that this treatment can 
can have over a lifetime uh, of a patient in terms of their quality of life, quality of care, um, and giving, you know, and quality of their caregivers, because these really disease impact also caregivers, which typically are the parents of the children. Let's unpack a little bit of, of that there, because we, we hit on a couple of really important topics, and, and we'll get a little bit more to some of the work that Kate has been doing around providing government and stakeholders and the healthcare system a sense of what what goes what has happened in other countries and and how other countries have treated rare differently through through a landscape report uh, that I know you'll want to speak about. But it's important for patients. And you mentioned that Canada is the only OECD country that does not have a strategy or a unique strategy. Can you unpack a little bit why that's important? Like what is different about the development and production and filing of a rare drug versus uh, uh, versus a, a more common common branded drug. What, why is it why is it a more let's say difficult path for a rare drug to go from A to Z? You know, filing to patient access. Why is it a more difficult path in Canada versus versus another country that you've probably worked with in in Europe? Thanks, Peter. Great, great question. And I would say, you know, before we say it's more difficult in Canada, it's more, you know, if we have a rare disease strategy and a rare disease, you know, approach, uh, we recognize that, in fact, these rare diseases are different, and I will touch on that. And if we recognize that our difference, we can really have then dedicated pathways to make sure that then we can, we can accelerate that, that timeline. So hence the importance of defining a rare disease strategy that goes needs to be holistic and goes beyond the funding and the reimbursement, which typically, I think you, you allude a little bit on that, we, we touched base on that. I think that's important, number one. When you say, okay, if Canada do not have a rare disease or what are the impacts um, on patients, uh, I, I really would like to highlight, you know, the, the risk or, or the cost to society of not having a rare disease strategy is that these, you know, impacts Canadians and impacts uh, Canadian patients with rare disease because typically they will get you know more time to receive a diagnosis and they will get more time to receive um, the right treatment and let me you know unpack that and saying you know why the rare diseases you know are different you know they are different I would put it maybe in, in three buckets. One, it's from an R&D perspective. You know, it's important that to recognize the, the research and development uh, time uh, for rare disease. It's sometimes it's even longer. It takes even even more time um, and, you know, higher development costs because the risk is higher. But what is important here is to recognize that um, the data uh, to get, you know, from the typical uh, randomized clinical trials or the need to, to develop head-to-head -head studies, they are much more difficult in rare disease. It's simply not available. Hence, is it so important to recognize alternative routes as real-world evidence to complement the data that we cannot get from the clinical trials? So that recognition on the R&D that it's different, it's important. It's important to recognize the difficulty in diagnosing the disease. Why, why are these diseases that are different? Because they are not common disease. So when I, I, a patient visits a, a typical family doctor, you know, the, the level of disease awareness, disease education is not the same. So these patients really need to be treated at centers of excellence with physicians that are highly specialized. So the difficult to diagnose and also 
the availability of diagnostic tools, especially at the early age, as we call sometimes newborn screening, you know, are important to make sure that we reduce that time to diagnosis. And then the third component, so after R&D and diagnosis, I would say that it's access to treatment. You know, it's, it's proven not only in Canada that the time for a treatment to be, let's say, approving green burst, you know, takes longer than a normal disease. So that's why it's important to recognize that so that we can develop accelerated timelines for those patients to get access. Thank you for that, because I think some of the work that that I've seen from Takeda, when you look at what's happening in other jurisdictions, it's clear that these are not solutions that are pie in the sky. These are things other countries have done and done well already and have been doing for many years. And Canada is, I'd be curious to see how Canada is disadvantaged. I, I get it from the um, from the patient patient perspective that we're, you know, patients are waiting longer than they should, or they're not getting access in, in the way that other countries might be. I'd be curious to get your thought if there's other disadvantages that we need to be conscious of for not acting. But I'm also curious to get a sense from you where strategies have been implemented that that work well, and some lessons and recommendations that uh, that Canada should be reflecting upon as they as the government teases through what their strategy is. And I think the, the reflection that I'm having as we're talking about this is not to say that it isn't, that it, it's, it is a challenging issue, but it's a, it's a challenging issue that other countries have focused on and solved for successfully over the years. And Canada quite, hasn't quite done it. So are there, are there a number of recommendations or are there a number of things that Canada needs to focus on now? Are there a number of countries that we should be looking at and what are the risks in, in not doing that beyond delayed patient access or, or no patient access at all? Great question. First, you know, you, you mentioned, maybe I, I will go step by step. You mentioned only with the fact that other countries have been doing these and have been doing these for years. And that I want just to acknowledge, you know, that um, recognizing and address the difficulties of a rare disease, you know, it's not, it's not easy. You know, it's difficult. It involves different, you know, different parts, uh, different components, as I mentioned, you know, from R&D, diagnostics, treatment, access, and also a multitude of, of stakeholders. But what is very positive and I'm very positive about is that we have examples of countries that really took this as a priority in their healthcare systems and put the strategy in place and really make made advancements in this field. And advancements in this field, what does it mean? It means, you know, a higher number of approvals for this treatment. It means, you know, a higher number of treatments that uh, by when, you know, research was dedicated to that and new treatments were made available for patients. And maybe, you know, I go a little bit to the end again, and I, I come back to the international, you know, part, you know, what, what's the impact, you know, it's, I, I would say, you know, it's, it's impact for patients, is impact to society, is impact, you know, once you don't have a, a treatment, you know, that there, are, there are people and, and patients and physicians that do not have the right tools to make the, the right choice and the quality of life, again, you know, it's, it's lower and sometimes, you know, impacts, you know, uh, their lives. So by having, you know, dedicated research uh, and investments in treating those, those diseases, you know, we can have a, a broader impact um, in, in the society. So this is a little bit how, how, how I see it. From an international perspective, yes, you know, there is 
unfortunately, not this kind of single receipt that say, okay, this is the best receipt in the world and this is what we are going to do in, in Canada. I think what we need to get, and that's what, you know, Takeda um, took the, the lead and, you know, did the research across seven, 16 countries overall with all the experience and really take those learnings and really saying, okay, what could this work, you know, uh, for Canada. And I would say, you know, across that research, and again, there are countries that are, you know, more advanced at different stage, I would say that there is, you know, we got seven recommendations um, out of that research, seven recommendations that we feel that if we do this in the right way, you know, Canada, in fact, I'm even very positive, I think Canada can leapfrog because, you know, what the countries had invested and then tried to fix over the years, Canada can really take, you know, a step further. I think we can really have you know, a good a, a good pathway to approve um, orphan drugs. So I think one of the recommendations is really having a regulatory pathway that recognizes the need um, to have a dedicated pathway for rare disease. I would say the other one, it's really making sure that we have enhanced early access programs and real-world evidence can be a complement uh, to enrich that data. And I would say, you know, a foundational one, which I even call basic, it's just, you know, just having, you know, a definition that... Um, we can uh, work upon because once we know what is the scope and what we are talking about, you know, we can have a group of stakeholders together that can address, in fact, uh, those uncertainties and differences. So there's a couple of things that are we are expecting to happen federally over the coming months. In 2019, the federal government committed $500 million a year starting in 2022-2023 to go for uh, towards drugs for rare diseases, as well as a as a strategy that would wrap around that. So we could assume that we will learn in the upcoming federal budget, which should come in the spring, how the federal government wants to spend that money, uh, that half a billion dollars a year. And uh, I would say that to the federal government's credit, it's the one file that they have constantly been consulting on throughout the pandemic and given Health Canada's capacity challenges focusing on the pandemic, the fact that they have done two rounds of consultation on this file during the pandemic gives us an inkling that it is a priority file. But if you put your, if you put your, you know, crystal ball or if you, if you had your, your own wish list of recommendations, and I know you just hit on a couple, what would you hope to see come budget time? If, if Health Canada or the government of Canada articulated how they're going to invest that 500 million, what, what would be most impactful as an early step to start building towards a comprehensive strategy with the reality that we're not going to have a comprehensive strategy day one, it's going to be constant evolution. But what, what are the things that you will be happy to see or what are your recommendations as they reflect on that, the language for the strategy or uh, pronouncing what the strategy will do and the funding that, that they've put to the, put to the cause? When when I started to you know to deal with the with the public consultation and and I heard about the funding, did you know my first question I asked what's the strategy, and I was like oh we still need to define the strategy, uh, and that's still my question you know what's the strategy so that we identify the funding so I think it's a very positive you know uh, commitment that. The government, and by the way, Peter, just a parenthesis, I don't think this is just a responsibility of the government, federal or provincial, it's a shared responsibility. But beyond, you know, before we talk about the funding, I think we need to understand, okay, what are the key pillars and what do we need to have in Canada to have a successful rare disease strategy? And I think then, you know, okay, how 
you know, how we are going then to invest the funding and if the 500 million, you know, they are enough, the 500 million commitment per year. I think that's that's a, a, a critical one. In terms of priorities, I will maybe, you know, reiterate. I think that they de- developed um, the regulatory and accelerated pathways for rare disease, it's a key one. Uh, recognizing real-world evidence as a key complement to, to the data that comes from the, the clinical trials and uh, acknowledge those uncertainties, it's a critical one. Patient registries and outcomes, we need to collect that data uh, to recognize the value of those treatments. Because you, you mentioned, you know, if, if we don't recognize, if we don't have data to recognize that value, how I also understand how much the payers are willing to pay for those treatments. So patient registries is a key one. Um, I would also say, you know, recognizing the centers of excellence for the different types of diseases. So has if we think about what the European did or are doing with the European reference networks, um, which is about you know certifying those centers of excellence and create those reference networks where we can you know um, exchange you know the, the the data pool and reaching those registries and also create that uh, physician community. Uh, I think it's also um, a key one. Uh, and again, all with the objective to to collect to recognize the value of the innovation and the value of the treatment, and to be honest, also with the research that Canada, you know, has and and has added here. I think also Canada can. Um, and I was also happy to see that on the innovation side, one of the mandates is also to prioritize research and talent. You know, how can um, Canada leverage this rare disease public consultation and create a talent pool um, to create that research for for future rare disease. I think that that could be also a great pathway. Well, we'll see what comes in the in the budget, and I'm and I'm sure many listening and and interviews we've held in the past on this on this podcast on this file um, uh, are ones that we'll reflect on as we as we look to the budget. But do you have any? Kind of closing thoughts from your own perspective in, in, in terms of where we need to go from here as we, we wrap up our discussion today. Thanks, Peter. You know, maybe a, a couple of one. So first, you know, just, just again, recognizing and reinforcing the, the need to have a different approach uh, for rare disease because they are different. Uh, type of disease and the recognition that this creates, you know, a big impact on the patients that typically impact children as well as on caregivers. And this is, you know, along the lifetime. So I think that's one. And recognizing the challenges around that from a diagnostics perspective, from a treatment perspective, and from an access perspective. I think if we tackle those those three areas, I think it's it's critical. I feel very positive, and I was really um, positive also to see after the, the federal government issued the mandate letters to identify rare diseases as a priority and a commitment to that. And I really do believe that if we take a shared responsibility, and what do I mean by shared responsibility between uh, regulators, policy uh, makers, federal and provincial uh, government, HTA bodies, patient, physician, and create this multi-stakeholder group. We can really make a change for the patients, and we want to make sure that Takeda is seen as a collaborative partner and is part um, of that solution. I really think that we can be at an inflection point, and again, we can learn from what other countries, you know, um, have done, and really take that, you know, best pockets of experience 
and understand, okay, how we are going to make it happen, you know, um, in Canada. Uh, and in a vision in the future, again, Canada can be really, really the hub for researching, you know, and rare disease, as well as to make sure that uh, patients uh, with rare disease do have access to innovative treatments. When it comes to rare, I don't know another company that's doing as much as Takeda, and, and um, I'm really happy we had this chance to talk about that. And hopefully, hopefully it provided a glimpse into um, uh, how Takeda Canada is thinking here in Canada, and that it allows you to um, uh, reach that broader audience so that we can continue this conversation and get to a point where patients afflicted with rare diseases don't have to worry about access to life-saving medications. So thank you for your, your time, and, and thank you for your leadership on this, and and we appreciate it. Thank you again, Peter, for the, the invitation. Uh, really a pleasure to be here today and to discuss such an important t- topic uh, for Canadians, uh, for patients, but also to, to improve healthcare systems in Canada. Really looking forward to continue. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. You can find this episode and more on our website at santashealth.ca and on our Twitter at Santas Health. This has been from the Burgundy Chairs.